The Bulls finally somehow beat Joel Embiid because he fouled out. The Kings do not get the light the beam in Utah. And those Timberwolves, those pesky Timberwolves, refuse to go away. Plus, news on LeBron and KD. And we're going to talk about which coaches are not getting enough love this season. All that and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We appreciate you joining us on all platforms, whether you're checking the show out on YouTube or if you're catching us on a podcast version over at Spotify or Apple or wherever you get podcasts. We appreciate you guys being part of the Locked On community and making us your first listen. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. You can follow me on Twitter at HP Basketball. I'm also co-host of Locked On Nuggets. Joining me is David Ramil. He's over at Locked On Heat. You can follow him on Twitter at DRamil13. David, we got a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to talk about the Bulls finally beating Joel Embiid, which I did not think was ever going to be possible. Uh, we're going to talk about the Wolves refusing to go away in the Western Conference. The Grizzlies without Ja Morant digging down deep to get another win. The Jazz holding off the Kings. The chaos in the Western Conference. There's news on KD and LeBron. We got to talk about some coaches, lots to get to. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I know I'm feeling a little bit better than you, but excited to talk about NBA basketball. I'm hopped up on on drugs, so we're going to be good. I'm hopped up on cold medicine, so this is going to be a good show. Uh, yes. Let's start tonight by talking about the games that what that were in the association on Monday. As we record this on Monday night. Philadelphia 76ers lose in double overtime to the Chicago Bulls. Joel Embiid goes for 37 points alongside 16 rebounds. They actually took one away from him. He had 17 earlier. Uh, one assist, one steal, three blocks, plus eight, 11 to 22 from the field. He got to the line for 17 free throws because poor Nikola Vucevic can never uh, imagine handling this guy. Uh, Embiid had been undefeated versus the Bulls with Vucevic. That he had been undefeated. I think he'd been undefeated versus the Bulls, period. He had dominated this matchup. But somehow the Bulls got the win and beat fouls out in double overtime. DeMar DeRozan with 25, Zach Levine with 26, Vooch chips in 21, including a one three-pointer. Eight at 12 from the field for Vooch. Uh, managed to stay out of foul trouble, so he wasn't the one giving up those fouls uh, to Embiid. You know, honestly, this game was like really back and forth. The yeah. Bulls got great minutes from Derek Jones Jr., especially late. He had a massive block and a great rebound in traffic, and the Bulls just managed to overcome this. So pretty big win for Chicago as they try and sneak into that last spot or maybe higher in the play-in tournament. And for the Sixers, they, they for just a moment, they had the vision. Just for half a second, they had the lead on, on the Celtics, and now they're behind them again, uh, depending on what happens with Boston tomorrow night in Sacramento. Yeah. Or your takeaways from this one. Well, it was interesting. I, I thought, you know, the, the Sixers broadcast was saying this is a good opportunity for the supporting cast to prove that they could step up in Embiid's absence because obviously there's been a lot of criticism there about whether or not they can rise the challenge minus their MVP candidate. And then, of course, they wind up taking a brief lead and giving up a big three-pointer block, et cetera, to Derek Jones Jr. So didn't exactly answer those questions. So I think those will continue to persist as good as Harden's been all season long, 
as good as some of the uh, other role players on that roster have been. There are still questions about what they can do without Embiid in the lineup. But my big thinking process here when I was watching that game is, what exactly are the Bulls playing for here? Aside from being in the play-in tournament, I don't know that there's a team with as bleak of futures there. They're playing a number of players, a great deal of salary next season. doesn't look like they have a particularly high ceiling this year, except for the play-in tournament. That's as good as it's going to get for them. And what beyond this next season, and, and again, continuing further, like what exactly is the point of them competing to win here? And they, they've won three straight, so they're they're showing effort. They made the acquisition for Pat Bev. It looks like he's playing very well for them. I'm just I'm kind of confused exactly about what the what we're supposed to feel when it comes to these Chicago Bulls. They keep winning, they keep playing hard, they're giving it their all, but they're still not a very good team. They're not going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs, even if they do wind up getting that play in tournament seat. I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I don't understand why much of uh, the Eastern Conference outside of the top five <laughs> seeds are doing so, including uh, the, your Miami Heat. Oh, so, sure. you know, I, I think with Chicago, you look, part of this is professional pride. These guys are playing, I think, for future contracts. And, you know, but a lot of this is just like, I, I do appreciate this. The Bulls are professional. Like, they don't, there, there are these games that are, I think really kind of emblematic, they're emblematic of who Chicago is. Like, this is one, their loss to the Raptors is another. A couple weeks ago, they lost to the Raptors in a game where it was like they were clearly the more talented team than Toronto. Like they were just way more talented. They had like Zach Levine was cooking and DeRozan was going and they had all these opportunities and they just did not close because they could not play with the right combination of focus and effort. But they're also not bad enough to slide so far. Like this was a good example of it where this was a game where they could have just given up, but they just hung in there. If you do not put them away with superior effort, effort, which the Sixers did not, they will hang because they have guys like DeRozan. They have guys like Levine. Um, Now I like the Sixers for the most, you have to, right? Given how good the Sixers have been over the last you know, 15, 20 games since the all-star break, they've been the best team in the league. They're eight and two in their last 10. They won eight straight before tonight. So yeah. yeah, even after this loss. So like they've been phenomenal. And you saw some of the reasons why, like DeAnthony Melton with the late steal on Zach Levine and like all these kind of plays that they're able to make. But maybe a bigger thing coming out of this, something to watch, um, the bigger story might be that Harden was really limping and really banged up after this game. Like visibly hurt dealing with mm-hmm. with an injury. Um, to the point where they've like Rivers admitted, Doc Rivers admitted that, you know, he's been dealing with an injury and it's kind of been game time for him the last couple of games. And Embiid was kind of limping around too. So like they're getting banged up. The problem is they have a shot at the one, an outside shot. And so they need sure. to push for that because if you get the one, you force Boston and Milwaukee into the two and three, and you don't have to worry about either one to the conference finals. That's enough of a carrot for the Sixers to keep pushing but I do think they probably need to get hard and some rest. So we'll see how this one shakes out over the course of the next couple of games. Uh, elsewhere in the association, really fun game between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New York Knicks, uh, especially if you hate defense. 140-134. By the way, the Sixers and, and Bulls actually played really good defense tonight. That was double overtime, 109-105. Not everybody doesn't play defense in the NBA, just most everybody. The Wolves in this game like were up and then gave it up and were down and then stormed back behind Torian Prince with 35 points, including he went eight for eight from three-point range. He also had the dagger bucket at the end to go ahead and clinch it. 
He shot 12 of 13 from the field, five boards, two assists, a plus 28 for Torian Prince. Uh, Kyle Anderson, look, Kyle Anderson's line in this game was 10-9-5. That's it. 10-9-5, one steal. Kyle Anderson was amazing late in this game. He made so many winning plays to get them over the hump and get the win versus the Knicks. And this was like a Knicks team that had Jalen Brunson, who went for 23 points on 9 of 18 shooting. Julius Randle. And Julius Randle. 57 unbelievable julius randall beasted in this game 19 of 29 from the field he did take 29 shots eight of four eight of 14 from three for julius randall they got 57 from julius randall and lost his minutes by six woof uh this wolves team i have liked all year david i can yeah. think that this is like a, we'll talk about kind of one of the reasons why in the next segment yeah but like this team has every reason to have given up. Cat's been out the whole year. They lost Ant to an ankle injury. The Rudy Gobert thing had all the vibes down bad. They traded their starting point guard for an aging veteran. And they just stick together. And they hang and they play solid. And they are finding ways to hang in there. And as much as everybody is ready to just pencil in all these teams into the play-in tournament and to the seven and eight spots like the Los Angeles Lakers, the Minnesota Timberwolves are not going to go down without a fight. This is a really great performance from Minnesota to overcome Randall's 57. Yeah, uh, amazing. I, I, you know, I was a little disappointed to see that they wound up giving that big lead. But to your point, I think that they showed the kind of tenacity necessary to withstand an incredible night from Randall. Played really solid, had some smart plays. Uh, Anderson, as you pointed out, was great. Uh, Mike Conley hit a big shot down the stretch. Getting just a number of contributions from guys that, I think mostly had been written off and and it shows just how good a job their coach has done of keeping the group together. I know that's kind of what you're hinting at. And I agree with you hundred percent just to, to be able to weather the storm on a particular night, but the whole just across the season to be able to focus on just continuing to chip away, win games, stay, uh, you know, stay the course. I think this and really, really impressive. And, and again, without there's two star players, having to incorporate Gobert. It hasn't worked. It has started to show the promise that they expected, although not to the same level. But you know what? I think when you take away the the uh, the expectations from the early season, right, when they make the Rudy Gobert trade, a lot of people thought, oh, maybe this is the missing piece. And then they falter. Obviously, they looked rusty. They looked like they couldn't really incorporate him into the, uh, the roster as effectively as they wanted to. But now the focus is just continuing to win games as best as you possibly can. And, 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 Put out your best effort on a nightly basis, and I think we're seeing that from the Timberwolves. So, shout out to them. Uh, great game, great win for them. And you know what? Also helps, uh, you know, push the, the Knicks to further down in the East Coast standing and giving the Heat a little bit of a chance to climb up there. So I don't mind that at all. We'll see. We'll see if they can close that gap. Up yeah, next, we'll talk about the Memphis Grizzlies once again getting a win behind a, a really gritty performance from their bench and their young guys. We'll also get into a battle of two serious Coach of the Year candidates out in Utah between the Sacramento Kings and the Utah Jazz as the Kings did not light the beam. Plus, we'll get into the coaches that we feel deserve more credit for what they've accomplished this season. All that more next segment. Right now, I need to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament's heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Uh, 
I'm on Arkansas again. I had him versus Kansas plus four and a half. I'm on Arkansas again versus UConn. I think I think my Arkansas Razorbacks, as I was raised in Arkansas, uh, are actually going to find a way to get themselves into the Elite Eight versus UConn. I also like Florida Atlantic. How about those Owls, huh? I like them actually versus Tennessee plus five and a half. I think the spread's a little too high on that one. I think Tennessee wins, but they think it'll be a closer game than that. Uh, and okay. I like Gonzaga to pull the upset on UCLA. They're actually dogs, which I was surprised at. You can bet on all that and more at FanDuel Sportsbook. They even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Lockdown NBA, thanks for joining us, David Ramil, alongside me, Matt Moore. So, David, we're kind of going through these games real quick. I wanted to wrap up this, this conversation on the association Monday night. Sure. Grizzlies get the win versus the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks held a 16-point lead and blew it because they could not score in the final frame. Really crazy final quarter for Dallas. Uh, they scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. No Luka Doncic. He was questionable coming in. Still wasn't able to get back on the floor. Uh, Kyrie Irving struggled with Jaron Jackson Jr. Trip was in foul trouble early in this game. Like mid-third, he had five fouls. He closes the game. He doesn't foul Irving. Irving is too shook kind of like by the length and Jackson's like presence to drive on him. Can't get separation and winds up missing some shots and also just like passing out. It was really phenomenal defense. But the comeback in this game was sparked by the Grizzlies bench who, to be quite honest, like I don't think it's been great this year. But Santi Aldama goes for 22, a career high. 14 boards, 22 and 14 off the bench for Santee. Luke Kennard was a plus 18 in this game as he was plus 10. Their defense against that second unit for Dallas really locked down, and that shows you the difference without Luka Doncic around. Dylan Brooks, uh, nine points, nine shots, five steals, <laughs> or five assists, one steal, uh, chirped the entire time predictably. No. And they kind of no. <laughs> they kind of won this grind out. Desmond Bain with a dagger at the end. Bain finishes with 17, six and two, um, not a pretty game, but Memphis once again, without jaw, who's still out get finds a way to get this win. And that's a real, that, that one really helps kind of they've, they have weathered the storm with jaw out, even missing both Brandon Clark who's out for the season and Steven Adams. They've done phenomenal holding it together during the stretch. I think their one misstep recently has been, uh, strangely enough, against the Miami Heat. Uh, the Heat wound up securing a, a blowout win against the Grizzlies. No one would have seen that coming, especially yours truly. Uh, aside from that, they've won like six out of their last seven. And and so they've been playing really well. I mean, Brooks has been solid. Darren Jackson Jr. continues his all-star campaign. Really, really good team. Uh, and look, with the Kings loss tonight, still hold on to the second seat in the Western Conference. So, uh, it looks like they uh, continue to trudge along and getting some good news with the expected return of John Morant uh, later this week that we'll talk about in the next segment. So they're they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, and they're showing some pretty incredible fortitude 
given all the different challenges and the questioning of their integrity and the, the roster makeup and things of that sort, they swung this trade for Kennard at the trade deadline. It's paid off, I think, more uh, more often recently than it, it did when they first acquired him. He's fine. his footing there pretty well and had a big game tonight as well. Finally, to wrap up our conversation on the association's games, and this will transition to our next thing, uh, mm. the Kings ah. do not light the beam. No beam in Utah as the Kings fall to the Utah Jazz, 128-124. No Jordan Clarkson, no Colin Sexton, no Laurie Markkinen. No Laurie Markkinen, and the Jazz get the win behind 27 from rookie Akai Baji, Achai Baji. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who I, I think has been phenomenal this season, added six and six rebounds, four assists in this game. Yeah. He struggled in this one. But how about Chris Dunn off the bench? Seven of 12 for Chris Dunn, who has been basically like borderline out of the league, like yeah, bouncing around, good. barely in. 18 points, 10 dimes for Chris Dunn and a plus 11 in this one. It really was that bench unit. Uh, for the Utah Jazz that kind of got them home in this one. The Jazz got out to a huge lead. The Kings storm all the way back behind uh, De'Aaron Fox, who finishes with 37 points and seven assists, 14 of 21 from the field. Phenomenal game for Fox. Demas Bonas struggled 11 points on just four of 10 shooting, along with 11 boards and nine assists, so nearly a triple-double again for Sabonis. Uh, they got 15 off the bench from Malik Monk. Really, this one came down to... This is a bad rest spot for the Kings. They were on their fourth game in six nights. Tomorrow they have to travel back home for their fifth and seven. So like this is a really rough schedule spot for San Antonio or for uh, Sacramento, especially in Utah in the altitude. But as a bigger picture, Mike Brown, I think, is going to win coach of the year, and I think he deserves it. Anybody that can get the Kings into the playoffs deserves to win coach of the year. But there are so many coaches that deserve credit this season for what they've done. Will Hardy has done amazing work with – this Utah. And even if maybe the fans, some fans may have been like, well, we should figure out Wimby. It's really cool to see the effects of having a really great coach on a young team that is competitive every single night is disciplined. They are getting the most out of their talent night by night. Yeah. Uh, Utah was in town last week and I had a chance to, to listen to Hardy speak. Uh, you know, you know, he's really well-spoken and just the incredible optimism of a team that has struggled as the seasons progressed, but we all recall the hot start. They just completely changed the expectations for what this team was supposed to do. They were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league. They've turned Markin and, and look, you know, obviously Laurie's done a fantastic job of, of turning his career around, but he's become an all-star. He's had a great year, but they're getting contributions from everybody. Kelly Olenek with a near triple-double tonight. Uh, his career has gotten a jump start there in Utah as well. And, and I think a lot of the credit should go to Hardy. Like the way he talked about this team and focusing on just having hope, on having a chance, on continuing to grow despite what the ex- expectations were at the start of the season, how those expectations have changed through the ups and downs of this year. He's done a really, really good job. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And look, I, I, you bring up a good point that maybe a lot of Utah fans would prefer that they had just outwardly tanked completely. But I think this is much more positive in the long run. Maybe you don't get the high draft pick that you'd prefer, but at the same time, you build a culture there that you can continue to grow. There's, there's something sustainable about what they have started this year in the long term, aside from just getting a pick. Because even when you get a high draft pick, if he enters into a losing culture, Houston, I'm looking at you, I think that <laughs> continues to develop and get worse and worse. And you can't necessarily build on that. Uh, in Utah, however, I think is the start of something promising. 
can can we not with the Houston with with, with poking the Houston Bear again? Here? <laughs> what I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let's not do it every single show. Uh, you know, we talked about these coaches that that we think deserve more credit. There's a couple more I want to get to. Uh, I mentioned yeah. them in the first segment. Chris Finch. Yep. The, this Wolves team. Everyone is just ready to clown them at all points because of the Rudy trade. And like the Rudy trade doesn't look better now. It doesn't like Walker Kessler may be a better player than Rudy Gobert right now. That's that that's, that's a, that's a bummer if you're a Wolves fan, but like, look, this team has had so many things go wrong for them this season. The fit didn't work immediately with Gobert. It wasn't seamless. It didn't just work. They had to really kind of work to get it to go together. Ant was pretty surly and unhappy for the first like quarter of the year. Um, by that time, Carl Anthony Towns got hurt. They missed their second best or best player, depending on how you define it, literally the entire season. Like he's been out almost the entire season. And that alone should have been a reason. If you have a top heavy team, which you have to have, if you have these contracts, there should be no expectation for you to sustain that kind of an injury and hold through. But they did. Like they're still hanging in there. And like, yeah, they're around 500. But if you look, look at it, like you watch the Wolves on a nightly basis. They, it's not a downtrodden experience. It's not like, wow, they just don't know what they're doing. They just can't. It really is. It feels a lot like, man, this team cannot get catch any breaks. That's why the Knicks win was impressive because they didn't get many breaks to go their way. Like it felt like all the loose balls were going in New York and still the Wolves found a way to kind of hang in there. Chris Finch's ability to one, put together lineups and two, just have these systems and schemes that allowed this group of players with like Kyle Anderson is arguably the second or third best player on the floor hmm. to succeed. That's massive. Um, the players deserve the most credit. They always will in the NBA. This is a player-driven league. But I do think that what Chris Finch has brought to the table with this Timberwolves team, he is an excellent coach. And he reminds me a lot of the success that like a guy like Rick Carlisle had early mm-hmm. with like Indiana and Detroit and those teams, where it's just like Chris Finch is going to be a good coach in this league, I think, for a long time. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, if we're giving other candidates here, I, I think it's fair to talk also about Jacques Vaughn. Like, yeah. I, I know, like, <laughs> I, has any team gone through so many different iterations over the course of the season as right. the Brooklyn Nets? Like, they were a bad team to start. Then they get in really, really good. There's all the drama surrounding Kyrie, KD, Steve Nash, etc. cetera. Uh, there's the potential trade talk from the offseason. They carry that into a really bad vibe in that locker room to start he gets season. hurt don't forget yeah. that yeah and then they become contenders and like we were talking about them on this show as a very viable title contender in the eastern conference and then they wound up blowing it up yet again nick claxton has somehow emerged into a great defensive player and like i, I to your point the players deserve credit from jock vaughn keeping things stable having basketball be the main thing the thing that you, the team focuses on and tries to Cut out all the noise. The Ben Simmons drama. There's so much going on there. They incorporate Mikhail Bridges, and now he's looking like an all-NBA player. Like, all these different things have happened to the Nets over the course of one season, and the one consistent piece of all that has somehow been Jacques Vaughn, who wasn't even really, I mean, not a particularly well-regarded head coach during his brief tenure with the Orlando Magic, and he's wound up turning it around and and just figuring it out uh, in his stint with Brooklyn now. He's been really, really good for them. And again, something to continue to build on in the future. They've become a really good team, and they're still contending for a playoff spot. They're going to be a playoff team, so that's impressive all around. I think... uh... Jamal Mosley in yes. Orlando. There's a little yep. bit of some shout out too, because I think that they've come a long way. The Magic have improved throughout the course of the season. 
Yeah. You know, there are still a lot of areas where I think they need to clean stuff up. Their defense isn't where it was last year. They've taken a step back there. So it's like not a, an A-plus report card, I don't think, for Mosley. But for getting a young team, like the, ma- the Magic are exactly where they should be, right? Yeah. Like they, they haven't stalled out. They haven't gotten worse. They've improved. Not enough for them to be like they haven't made a huge leap, but they have, they have their, their franchise cornerstone in Palo Bancaro. And we'll see where they wind up in the lottery. They're gonna they're gonna be able to say like if a few more things had gone our way we could have made the playoffs or at least made the play in, and that's like a really promising stretch for a team as young as the Magic are, especially with all the injuries they've had because they've had a lot of injuries as well. Um, maybe the biggest name though, this guy's never gonna get he's not gonna have any sort of coach of the year consideration, and it's crazy. Mark Dagonal of the Oklahoma. Yes, Oklahoma. yes. No Chet Holmgren the entire year. Yeah, like. Look, I do the betting stuff over at Action Network. And so it's like a very good example of how the perception of the, of these things where the market is always down on OKC no matter what. They're always great against the spread because you just cannot believe that a roster like this could actually be competitive. They got a huge win versus the Suns and the comeback on Sunday. I watched the fourth quarter of that game. Shea Gillis-Alexander, Josh Giddy were tremendous. But like... The starting lineup for this team features two rookies, both named Jalen Williams. They got two Jalen Williams, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, and SGA. That's it. They got Jalen Williams playing center out here. Uh, Isaiah Joe is maybe one of the best like role players coming off yeah. the bench in the league. Lindy Waters gets minutes for this team. Usman Jang gets minutes for this team. Aaron Wiggins has been pivotal. Aaron, not Andrew, Aaron Wiggins has been incredible. Like, And the, the biggest thing is, um, Ma- Michael Malone, coach of the Nuggets, described playing the Thunder as it's like a root canal. It's just pain for two and a half hours because yeah. they're disciplined and tough and very committed to game plan. And the organizational structure top down works in OKC. And a lot of that's credit to Presti in the front office, but yes. a lot of that goes to Dagonal and his ability to implement his style of basketball and the principles that they value, he gets through those guys and they have played phenomenal. Like this Thunder's team should be a bigger story than it is with them having a real chance at a play in spot this year or a play. Yeah. Not just this year. Like there's something again, sustainable in what they're building there. And, and like, they're going to have all these draft picks. They can swing a trade for a superstar. They could do, there are so many different options there. And you trust that a coach like Dagonal is going to continue to get the most of this roster There's something to be said about just keeping a structure in place there, never having expectations waiver too high or too low, and just focusing on playing the best basketball you can. They haven't been a great and consistent team all season long, but they have played extremely hard and difficult and and, and structured. And and that is just really, really impressive. You can lose the reins on a young team very, very quickly. And and you think having all this talent on the roster would help, but it does not necessarily translate into something immediate like that. And he's gotten them focused on a playoff spot at this point in the season. That's unbelievable. What a story there. And I'm glad you brought it up because I think they should get a lot more attention. Up next, there's news on LeBron James and Kevin Durant. We'll talk about that. Plus the Western conference playoff race when we return on locked on NBA. Uh, 
Kyle Seidman here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys making us your first listen. David Ramil over at Locked On Heat at dramil 13 Find me on Twitter at HB Basketball and listen to me over at Locked On Nuggets as well as the, on the Action Network Buckets podcast. All right, David. So there's some news came out in the last 24 hours about two major superstars. Darvin Ham said that they expect to have LeBron James back, quote, at some point this season. So before the end of the season, they expect to get LeBron back. That's significant and that they're not ruling him out. I will say it's funny that it's been turned this into this optimistic thing from when it was like, hey, he might be back in two weeks. Oh, well, maybe three. Uh, and, and and now it's like at some point, okay, uh, they're still going to have to get through the stretch without him. It's pretty clear that he's still pretty banged up and going to need offseason surgery. Like that's I, 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 that's speculative. That's not based off of like hard intel. I am just saying that I would be personally very surprised having covered the league as long as I have if LeBron did not require surgery in the offseason. My question for you is this. Uh, everyone was very jazzed about the um, about the win yesterday behind Austin Reeves' incredible performance at the free throw line, notably. Um, versus a Magic team that we just said was like, hey, they're pretty good, but like, it's the Magic. A lot, lot of optimism there. Does LeBron return if this thing goes sideways? I think they can probably hang on and be within range for him to come back and make a push here. And maybe they get in, maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they knock out a first round opponent. Who knows? It's LeBron. But do you think that LeBron returns? I mean, more directly, do you think where the Lakers are in the standings impacts whether LeBron returns or not this season? Absolutely. Yeah. I I think he he should, you know, he's, he's fighting for uh, to continue building on his legacy to continue playing at a high level, for years to come, because it doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. He was still a top 10, 15-ish player uh, throughout most of the season when he's been available. So I don't think there's any question about whether or not he can still produce at a high level. And I don't think there's any reason to jeopardize this now. If, if you continue to drop right now, a half game out of the play-in tournament spot. Uh, and, and I think if, if you know, you're two, three games under and maybe uh, you continue to lose ground in the standings, why would you push for that? And it depends too, right? Like if he can come back, when you have like, say, I don't know, four or five games left and you can theoretically win out and still compete for a play in spot, maybe it's worth it. Uh, but if you're at a point there where <clears throat> that seems very unlikely, I, I don't see why he would come back. Do you think that he'll come back at, you know, earlier in the season if they continue to drop in the standings? No, I don't. I think the injury is that bad given the quotes in the reporting around it are not promising. Like, it's like, hey, he won't immediately need surgery. <laughs> like, oh, hey, he, you know, he's managed to, they think he can avoid surgery. And it's just like, that's that's rough for a guy at his age to be playing like that. Yeah. The other thing is, and I'll say this, um, Anthony Davis came back from injury just in time for the 2021 play-in and then immediately got hurt again. Right, right. right? So it's like, this is the, the concern is especially with foot injuries. Like it's, it would not be a shock to see him return and then re-injure it. And you definitely don't want that at some point you have to kind of consider that you have to be like, we, we gotta make sure that if we put you back on the floor, it's not going to be, you come back for a game and then are out again. Cause then you've just, you've wasted all that time doing rehab and doing everything else to try and avoid surgery when you could have just had surgery and gotten on with it. What do you so, think the Lakers front office wants to do? Maybe that's the bigger question there. Would they try to force him back? Can they even no, try to pressure him back? No, no they can't. Right. You can't. You can't force LeBron to do anything you don't want. He doesn't want to. You can't force LeBron to do anything. Um, nor should you be able to at this point with this. Sure. No, that's fair. 
but I, I do think, you know, to your point, the conflicting kind of, I mean, this is, this gets back into the tension that's existed with the franchise all season where on some level, no matter like LeBron is trying to be dedicated and he's talk, he's been hyped up after the, the Lakers have won games lately, but on some level, he's also got to be like, Hey, maybe if you had gotten me the trade that I said that you should have made months before, we wouldn't be in this spot where I'm trying to get back from an injury that clearly needs surgery. Not clearly that might need surgery. Right. That's at least an option. Could get worse. Yeah. Right. Could or could worse. get worse. You know, but you wouldn't make that move. Like there's gotta be, that's, that's going to be an underlying thing here. The other thing. And again, like this is significant. There's just a, there is more pressure on Anthony Davis right now than there has been on Davis since he was with new Orleans. And I don't think the pressure on him in new Orleans was ever significant because the roster was always considered to be bad in right. a bad market that nobody believed in. Like right. Davis has to carry this Lakers team. Austin Reeves is not going to get it done every night. Shoot a million free throws. Like that's not, it's not going to happen. And Reeves is good. I want to be clear. Like Austin Reeves is a really good player. Um, but Davis is going to have to carry them and he's been up and down. Like he has not been consistent. And at some level there has got to be a, a conversation had internally about Davis was brought in specifically to do this. Like if LeBron needed to miss time because he's right. at 38, if LeBron needed to be out when LeBron was out, Davis could carry. And if he can't get it done, that's going to look pretty rough for him. Elsewhere on Monday, the athletic Shams reported that they, the Phoenix suns are optimistic that Kevin Durant could return by the end of the month. And that means March. So in the next 10 days, Katie could be back on the floor. The Suns are in a pretty good spot. Quite honestly, the loss of the thunder obviously hurt. They've, they are, they have lost their chance at, I think of the division. Um, they're back five in the loss column, even after the Kings lost uh, on Monday. Kings likely to lose to the Celtics on Tuesday on the back-to-back, right? So they would still be four games back in the loss column. That's tough to make up with the, with less than 10 games to go, essentially. So I don't think they, they can move into the top three. They're basically trying to hold off the Clippers for home court in the first right. round. They're up three on Golden State in the loss column for six. So, like, Phoenix is going to be in the four or five, I feel pretty comfortable saying at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't think they need to rush KD back. So that's one reason why they made, you know, it would only, I think, be if like they they took a few more and really started to slide that then KD would return. But my question for you is this: um, this thing was thrown together at midseason. Yep, they're an entirely different team, and you see that with Phoenix. Like they're relying on guys like Josh Okogie a lot more. Is there time if KD comes back for them to establish enough of a rhythm to make a championship run with? how little time they're going to have had to play together, even as good as they were when KD played? I, I think you kind of answered your own question, right? I, I, I know that things have to get tweaked and rotations change. Uh, you know, it, it, the coaches have to make different decisions and you have to make adjustments in any kind of series that you're engaged in. But I, I think we saw enough promising, you know, especially on offense, we saw enough greatness there that I think it ties together. And look, you have a built-in excuse if it doesn't work, but I still think the ceiling on this team is so high. And we saw glimpses of that in the few games that they did play with KD that I think that rhythm will find itself almost immediately upon his return and they can just continue slowly build that. He is such a good player at this stage of his career where you can plug him into any team and immediately he fits in 
and he's just so dynamic and great. Uh, again, to, we're not we're not talking nearly enough about Kevin Durant and his greatness as an yeah. individual player. You know, I think we a lot of people acknowledge it, but I don't think he gets the kind of shine that he rightfully deserves. And and you can fit him in so seamlessly there. And I, I don't think they're going to lose a step in trying to make adjustments when Kevin Durant's back on the floor. They can't afford to wait too if they can continue to string a couple more wins together and hold off the Clippers so they can maintain home court advantage through at least the first round of the playoffs. I think that, you know, that gives him a little bit more time, but I don't, I don't think there's any rush to get him out there to build that rhythm that you're speaking of. I think it, I think it flows almost immediately upon his return. The other thing here is maybe a non, a non in rhythm, no continuity, still getting used to each other. Suns is still just better than everybody else in the West. Nuggets have looked really bad since the all-star break. Everyone still questions whether or not they're going to be able to play defense at a good enough level to really compete. Um, Clippers have obviously been up and down. They're playing better basketball now. The Warriors can't win on the road. Like, they finally won. By the way, they won on the road tonight. They finally, finally. Over first thing they got 11 games that they won on the road in Houston. Uh, there, there's there's Houston again. And, uh, you know, the rest of the of the West is, you know, it's the Kings who don't play any defense. They're the one. Their bottom five defense in the league. The Grizzlies can't score in the half court. Phoenix trying to get used to one another may still be better than everybody else when you got Kevin Durant. And that may be enough to get you to the finals. And then who knows? You know, we'll see where, where it goes from there. That's going to wrap it up for Locked On NBA for a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. You can follow David on Twitter at DRamel13 and check him out at Locked On Heat. You can find me at Locked On Nuggets and at HP Basketball on Twitter. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On NBA Pods. Make sure to check it out on YouTube as well. We appreciate you guys being part of your week we appreciate you guys making us part of your week have yourselves a great week tomorrow john corrales jake madison back with your wednesday episode hope you guys enjoyed it thanks for joining us on locked on nba